Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Thibaut. And I'm Ara. Every week, we interview thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. During 30 to 45 minutes, we will deep dive into topics like modern prospection, pipeline management tactics, or innovative sales tools to help you navigate the complex world of B2B sales. We're on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever, yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to know more about our sales training and coaching programs, go to www.saleslabs.io. It's www.saleslabs.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the B2B Sales Podcast. Today, I'm really happy to have with me Nick van der Koek. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Nick. Love how you did that. Yeah, it's okay. a Dutch name, so uh, <laughs> it's going to be pretty much impossible for non-Dutchies to, to do. It's always the same problem. Okay, then I'm going to let it to you to say who you are. Um, but before, I just want to say a little bit of a brief intro of why did I invite you. Um, as everyone here knows, I'm always looking to talk to BP sales and people that are working with a sales team and have like quite of experience and quite success. And looking into your profile, I was really, really keen to talk to you as well as you're working at Travel Park, which is a, an amazing uh, company that's growing a lot in Spain for anyone else that doesn't know it. Um, but yeah, then if you could just give us a brief introduction of yourself, uh, that would be lovely. Sure. So my name is Nick van der Kolk. come from the Netherlands, uh, live currently in Spain. I've been in sales um, pretty much my entire life. Uh, started in retail and then worked my way up. Um, yeah, so I, I think I'm full-time now, 16 years in sales. So I've done pretty much everything. Um, and currently as the VP of sales for SMB uh, in Travel Perk, which is a SaaS-based um, travel platform where uh, we help uh, companies to book, uh, to help them with um, travel, uh, business, business travel. And uh, I've been basically focused and specialized on SMB and um, the SaaS space for the last, I would say, uh, nine years. Okay. And uh, do you yeah. like it? Yes, of yeah, course, otherwise I mean, we wouldn't be there. Uh, well, the truth of the matter is it was the only thing I was ever good at sales. I started working full-time at 16, so I don't have your traditional school background. Um, but it was, sales was always the only thing I was good at. Everything else, I tried coding, I couldn't do it. Okay. But come on, I mean, I think that sales for me as well, like I, I was not going to go into sales and then I kind of end up, ended up there by, let's say by chance. And it just was amazing and, and I really loved it. And I think that I want to continue growing there. Um, sure. But sales has like lots of branches and lots of things. As you said, you started first, I imagine, as a account executive and then you just went your way up. How did that work? No, it's uh, so I started in retail. Uh, uh, I worked since 12 years old in my uncle's store and then 16, I went full-time in retail, consumer electronics, then went into uh, cold calling pretty much uh, for a large telecom provider at 19, then went to book meetings for others, uh, then became account executive, field sales account executive, uh, then became first-time manager, then director for APAC, and then VP. So that's, that's, that's actually 16 great. years. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, like there's VP sales that have a lot of experience in being managers, but they did not have the experience of, you know, going right into the field and doing cold calling and just from the way, like how it starts everything. And I think that's lovely because then you can also put up 
into your routine, like your experiences and how things work and what has been going well, what not well and so on, right? So I think that's pretty important. Yeah, if, you, if you're a manager but you've never sold yourself, I don't think, uh, well, I mean, but most managers I know at least have had some form of experience, now some more than others, uh, right. but I do think it's vital, yeah, sure. Exactly. So then, yeah, basically we were talking, um, I think it was two weeks ago about uh, the different topics that we were going to discuss today. And we were keen to talk about basically hyper growth and, you know, working in a company who is basically a startup and has just build their way through everything right now, like getting to know internationally. Um, and I think we can start talking a little bit about the Basically, what is for you a hypergrow company and what are the typical challenges that you see that are different from anyone other or any, anything else? Sure. Well, let's first define hypergrowth as in a company that's been doing that for a while. So if you do 1000% X, but you're, you're your first year in your company growth, you know, that means absolutely nothing. Right. Uh, so I do think that you need to, it needs to be a, a couple of years at least. I think the best hypergrowth story I've worked at is HubSpot. Uh, so HubSpot, uh, I joined just when they IPO'd. So definitely not a startup anymore, right? So more right. of a scale up. And uh, then if you keep consistently growing um, in the double digits uh, or even beyond that, um, yeah, that, that to me is hypergrowth. So I, I, for just a quick example, when I was in Dublin, there were like 60 people when I joined the Dublin office. And when I left, there were like 700 within oh the time span of five years, yeah. So to me, that's, that's significant growth. Right. And you also have to think like, well, I think we're going to talk about it more in a, in a little bit time, but, you know, hyper work growth and the extension or the expand of the employees, but also like in which departments it's growing, right? Because maybe it can grow into the, you know, developers or whatever the, the company is actually doing. But in sales, um, that's what's interesting as well here. What does it mean for sales to be hyper yeah. grow or become that? Well, it has its pluses and its minuses, right? So if you're right. joining a company as a sales rep uh, or an, as an SDR, um, that's just starting to boom and go go fast. If you're early, uh, basically you're like a lone, a lone fisherman in the sea, like you have a big wide ocean for yourself. And if you're hyper, true hyper growth, what will happen is the board will hire and grow uh, and hire more people. Right. So there will be more fishermen in that same pool. And all of a sudden you come across things that you never came across before such as that, you know, you're going to have more conflict with your fellow uh, per salesperson who all of a sudden also uh, is uh, fishing in the pool and you can, might come across um, prospecting the same company um, <laughs> and all, all of those things. So, yeah, there are different, like you need more structure and uh, you need the organization to be truly scalable. Also, Travel Perk right now, I wouldn't call it a startup anymore. It's more of a scale up at this point. So roughly almost 500 people. Um and so therefore, yeah, it comes, you come into this field of, of issues that you didn't have before as a, if you're just starting to grow fast. And so you need a scalable motion. If it's not scalable, you cannot go hyper. Of course. And um, when it comes to sales then, um, what, what do you think is the best way to, to do it? I mean, when, when you arrived to Travel Perk, which, in which moment was it? Was it already like, you know, growing so much and you were like, okay, you have to hire a, a, a whole team of sales uh, people or were, was it all right there kind of new and they didn't know what to do what was the environment like when you just arrived there so when i arrived i did a beautiful career move um 
I joined in, uh, or when I had the conversations, I just joined when the COVID started to spread across the world outside of China. So I knew about COVID, um, but it wasn't really out of China yet. The US had no cases at that point. And uh, so when I sort of did the interviews, B2B travel, uh, fast growing SaaS company, and then I joined. So my first day here in Spain was exactly one day later, they locked down. Uh, But then I already had accepted the job, obviously, and then moved, I moved from APEC to to Europe. Um, So I lived in Thailand before. So yeah, it was a a period of um, crisis, and it still is. Uh, So that's, you know, when I joined, uh, it definitely wasn't hyper growth anymore. It was uh, managing crisis. Of course. And and I think that that's something that a lot of companies are struggling with, uh, mostly when you are doing a business such as Travel Perk. Um, and, and having a business model that basically depends on people traveling and booking uh, services to go and see customers or to travel because any reason. Um, and how, how, I mean, then I imagine that the hiring part was not something that you were like kind of focusing on anymore. Um, how did no, you No, we, we stopped manage, hiring. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I can't imagine that, um, unfortunately. But then what's your approach then now? Because, I mean, you have a sales team and I think that there's many challenges there. First of all, keeping them motivating, motivated, sorry. Um, second, just making sure that they are still able to rather to sell something or h- how does it work? Because I imagine that it has a little bit going, I don't want to say down the hill, but yeah, there's, there's quite a struggle there. Oh, yes and no. So our model is quite interesting. You pay basically when you use it. So when you actually book, um, if you don't book, you don't pay. Okay. Traditional formats where uh, you would have a monthly retainer, so like a monthly fee. Uh, those type of companies still charge, but nobody is traveling, right? So we didn't, we don't have that. Uh, so when you want to come on board with us, it's 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 free. Uh, when we sell, when we sign a con- new customer, the the actual money re- coming into our bank account is absolutely zero. Okay. Uh, so and even our onboarding is free. So, you know, like it's it's a it's a, a disruptive business model, which we could also talk about. But like it's we we didn't stop selling, and we could still stop selling. There's just no travel. So yeah, we we sign up a bunch of new customers mm-hmm. uh, that uh, want to be ready for whenever travel resumes, and in most cases, it already has. It just hasn't to the normal degree just yet, right? Uh, business travel isn't back to where it used to be. Um, but like all, you have all kinds of new issues and and challenges that need to be solved so we can still uh, definitely help uh, companies out but just from a revenue perspective obviously it's not the same as we have before exactly and i think that now i mean i've been also looking into it and, and travel perk is also trying to find other kind of n- not business models but other ways to work with companies that don't that doesn't necessarily depend on, on um, traveling itself so maybe basically as well expenses and stuff so just maybe broadening up a little bit the you know the services could also help to to the reps well we integrate with with other providers right so uh expense systems um and also hr systems mm-hmm. um to know where your people are at for example is quite relevant now in a in a corona time right as as governments can consistently change the warnings if you shoot or you shouldn't go to a specific country like for example barcelona right now is code orange in the netherlands so meaning you're not recommended to come here uh, so many business travelers would be need to be made aware of that. And obviously you need to know, is anyone here? And of if course. you come back, do you need to go back in quarantine or not, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So every, anywhere where you go, uh, all these issues are are different. So we, we, we play in on that. And But our business model itself doesn't change. So it's not like we all of a sudden start charging for these type of things. 
So we're still very disruptive. And I also think that crisis doesn't necessarily mean for salespeople that it's bad. Yeah, it might be bad short term. True. Like who wants to talk about traveling when there's no travel? Right. Uh, but at the same time, everybody in the industry, when they have an issue, uh, it's also the time for when uh, you can come with a disruptive message and then explode from there. If you look back in the financial crisis um, of 2008, you also have a bunch of companies that straight after the crisis or born in the crisis went uh, super big. So for a salesperson, uh, again, if you think a little bit more longer term, a crisis can also be a huge opportunity. So no matter exactly. where you are, yeah, if you, if you deal with that, then I would, I would view it that way. So then basically now your idea or one of your goals will be as well, like to sit down with the team and kind of like plan strategies like for grow in the future, right? And like to try to set up plans and make sure that you are working towards, um, you know, more benefits, maybe 2021 Q1, Q2, when everything starts hopefully getting back to normal. Yeah, it's about building relationships now for, for, exactly. the, for the longer term. And if you are a little bit longer term, uh, minded, then you can definitely see a lot of motivation and a lot of opportunity in there for sure. And again, if you're an industry that's hard hit, then your industry is hard hit and therefore all your competitors as well. So mm -hmm. they are suffering, you're suffering. So it's just the survival of the fittest then. And, and you mentioned something that I, I always, I keep continuing um, discussing this in, in several episodes about, you know, building the relationship when you already have a customer or people that are potential customers, but you already have kind of a strong bunch rather with the, the contact with the decision maker or the company itself. That's, that's also great. Um, but how do you do that now with, how do you deal with inbounds, outbounds? Like what's the strategy that you see going forward? Uh, to be honest, like not much has a lot of change when it comes to your strategy. It's just that your trigger and the reason why you're reaching out and why someone should care might change. But in my head, there's three types of people. There's people who prefer to be called. Well, they are decreasing these type of people, but like uh, who appreciate a cold call. Um, then there's people who respond to email. Again, also uh, a, a channel that... Uh, is decreasing over time. And then there's people who, who, who will respond to chat in my head. So you make a connection and you channel LinkedIn. There's not much else in between of those three. And so in my head, you need to unfortunately do all three because you don't know the other person and therefore you need to do all three. Uh, and the, the way to approach them, I would argue is, uh, is, is quite similar. You need to have some form of appreciation. So some form of rapport building from the beginning. So a thank you, everybody likes to be thanked. Then a trigger, why are you reaching out to me? Like that's the first thing, because nobody knows you, nobody trusts you. So why are you reaching out and then value, what can you do for me? That's, that's actually it. lovely, I like and that. And then I'd like to end it with a rhetorical question uh, because a rhetorical question gives you control over uh, what comes next. Like if you ask a rhetorical question, then like, uh, you know, would you like to save money? Like it would be really weird to say no. So you're either going to be ignored, which still can happen. But if you get it, you at least get the answer you're looking for. Right. So I would always end with something rhetorical. That's, um, that's actually quite interesting because you're kind of putting together a four step, let's say plan that it, it attracts the attention of, of the prospect. And as you said, like right now, we don't even know anymore who is actually reading cold emails. Um, and cold calls, that's, that's, quite of a, that's quite of a challenge right now. And it's something that's also happening. Um, myself, I got a lot of 
already um, cases where I'm like reaching out to someone via email or via phone. I got no reply. And then I just reach out to LinkedIn and they just answer me if they would be my, my best friends or just like super um, sure. in, a, in a friendly way, right? Um, and then it makes you think, why is that? Do, do people feel that they are a little bit more reachable? Is it uh, that they feel that they're not just being contacted by someone that they don't know behind an email and then other have a profile of who that person is? Um, what do you no, think? I, I think it's just different personalities. Like I myself, for example, delete prospective emails within usually two seconds. Um, I never get cold called because you'll never leave my phone anywhere. And if you would cold call me, I probably wouldn't like it because you're, mm -hmm. you're interrupting me. Now, again, we do cold calls, right? So I'm not here saying cold calls are bad, not at all. But this just depends on the person who you approach and you don't know who that is and what they like. So the only way to, to check is to try. And so, something also that yeah. I think, for example, myself, I don't know if I come from this generation where I'm not picking up my phone for making phone calls. Um, and if someone calls me, I'm like, why why are you calling like you, you can text mm -hmm. me or you can yes. send me something right um and i think that right now there's a lot of people sdrs um and and you know sales teams that are quite young and of this this generation and we can actually use all the um you know the the creativity that they may have to do all the social media such as instagram uh twitter now TikTok and stuff to put it into what sales is and, and, you know, do content um, and, and creation of something that's actually going to lead to giving some um, space of, uh, you know, how do you, how do you say the word? Uh, just basically value for the, yeah, yeah sure. Sorry, if, you, if you, if you uh, are connected with me, you post regular content, I might see it once, right? If you call me a week later, and um, if, if, I, if I still remind your company name or your, your name, et cetera, then sure, you have a shot. So I, yeah, I do think influencing someone, <clears throat> someone might work, but the way of communication has to be all three because again, there are just different types of people. And sure, they might be different for different generations, et cetera. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, uh, there is no one size fits all. What does always is true, I would say, is that they don't know you, they don't trust you. So. Who are you? What can you do for me? And uh, recognizing the fact that you don't know each other yet is also probably a good start. Exactly. And and just also something that you mentioned is building report. And sometimes people are like, hey, I just saw that uh, you just uh, were in this, I don't know, webinar or in this event. I was also there too. And then you just jump into you know whatever it is that you want to sell that person and sometimes you're like okay that, that doesn't really mean anything and people are not going to spend their time to read message and why would i spend some minutes to say okay maybe this could be interesting and and i think that it's right what you said it has to be a mixture of the tree you know cold emails cold calls as always um, and if you really manage those, I think you can also personalize and, and do content so in your terms in terms of your sales team do you really um, say, okay, you have to do the three of them. You let them to be a little bit more creative, flexible. What's, what's your approach in that sense? So we definitely encourage to do all three. Yeah. Uh, we are very, let's say liberal on the fact of whatever you want to say or how you want to do it culturally, language, of course, et cetera. Um, the only day you need to be authentic, right? So it needs to be truly your message and you're dealing with another human on the other side. So just making a, a value prop one size fits all message won't work anyway. Exactly. Um, if you sound like a robot on the phone, uh, ain't gonna work. 
So it has to be your message and you need to, first of all, truly believe in what you sell. And again, like for me, it starts with a bit of humility of like, um, hi, whoever, uh, like we don't know each other yet, but I'm giving you a call because, and then insert whatever the reason was that you're reaching out. Um, because again, I put myself in the shoes of the other side, like I pick up and then this person starts talking. I have no idea who they are, who they are, or what they want. Um, so I, I think it starts there, but we, totally free. Yes. But we do encourage all three because, um, I've done a lot of testing and we use some software for that, obviously. And, uh, if you do all three, it's the most effective. It just is. There is a balance between, let's say personalization and volume. So uh, personalizing your message, et cetera, but then also doing all three channels. If you do all three, at least for my data and my team, it, it works the best. And, and that's also something, right? Because sometimes like you arrive to a company being as SDR and they said, okay, you have to do this amount of calls, this amount of emails and this amount of you know content in your social media. You also have to reach out this amount of opportunities. Um, and, and I think in my, in my perspective, there's always this mismatch between quality and quantity. Um, and I remember, you know, having the, the experience of being in companies where, you know, you just look into the accounts and they're just completely spammed and everyone is just sending templates and just uh, using these tools that are just sending, I don't know, 300, 400 emails per day. I, I've seen crazy numbers. And I also think that that's not right. And, and it's interesting to understand how do you find a balance and how do you decide, okay, does this is what we are going to be focusing on? Um, also to keep the team happy and, and getting results. Yeah, I've never met anyone who enjoys prospecting. Never. Like you can have someone say, yeah, no, I love it. Uh, but they're usually full of shit. And if, even if they're not, then they probably won't last for, you know, doing that for 10 years. Like nobody really enjoys it because you get, get rejected a lot. So, uh, you know, it's an art. And it's also to your point, if you have to cold call all day, every day, mm-hmm. it's exhausting. It's not, not fun. Uh, at the same time, you know, like there, it has to be done. It's how business is built. So, uh, there's always like, it's just a balance It's a balance of how much can you do? How much can you stay mentally sane? Uh, and what's effective because, uh, uh yeah, to your point, if you do more thing like dumb things faster, doesn't make it better. Like, uh, it's still dumb. So, uh, yeah, it's sure. You still need to personalize. You still need to, and I do SMB, right? So volume to me matters because uh, so I, I focus on larger amount of volume of, of deals. Like if we close one deal, YPIA, we have a lot more to do. Like it, that, right. uh, it's not an enterprise deal. So uh, yeah, it is a volume game, but at the same time, it's balanced. You can't just go nuts uh, because you, you won't, you won't last and you won't be good at it either. Again, you're going to sound like a robot, so it won't work. Exactly. And, and you said as well, like we were discussing about like working with enterprises, SMBs, and that's something that you just said. Um, you, your experience is basically in SMB, correct? Yes. Exactly. So what, what do you think is actually good and bad for working as SMB currently in the situation that we have? Because I think personally, for example, um, I liked a lot working with SMBs before because I had the chance to reach out easier, easily, uh, yeah, to, you know, the, the, the higher level people exactly so you can make a a, a, you could understand better how the deal is going you could reach out to the budget budget owner um and and now working in enterprise you know it can be a really really long process so what would you say for you is your experience is in smb um you know prospecting 
Yeah, well, look, so you're right. They get prospected less. Uh, so, and therefore they're more accessible. It doesn't make it easy, but it's more accessible than say a CMO of a large and large company. They, they basically block out anything and uh, everything they, they can because they get bombarded. Um, so yeah, there's more, there's opportunity there. It's easier. Yes, not easy, but easier. Um, and let's be honest, if you, if you approach a company with 50 people or 60 or whatever, like something below a hundred, mm-hmm. like they, yeah, you, they might be the CEO, but they're not a C, like my team is, is twice their size. Right. So, you know, like just because you have a fancy title doesn't make you all of a sudden, you know, uh, a big, uh, big shot or whatever. So uh, like, don't be intimidated. I would argue by, by titles and I would just go for it. Um, and SMB, yeah, you have a shot to, to talk with people that make decisions. Yes. And sometimes you still have to go through an influencer or a champion and that's fine. You know, it's nothing wrong with it. Um, but yeah, it usually goes faster. That's right. Exactly. And for me, for example, I, I remember whenever I started as a, as a BDR before getting into the account executive role, whenever I knew that I was going to talk to a CEO or a CTO, as you just mentioned, I always got super scared. And I remember one of the first times that I had to go on personal meetings and I had to sit down there with a CTO of a company. But at the end, you just realize it's a person just as you are. Um, and if you come with kind of a solution for their problem, they are going to be super willing to talk to you. And, and sometimes now our generation, I think it's a fright to, to talk to these people um, when they are, even though now they're maybe sometimes older than you are, they're just super friendly to talk to. Personally, I work with Spanish market. Um, and so maybe that's, that's why I also have a little bit more of this um, feeling. In this case, do you think it works differently as well between markets? And, and how do you say, okay, we're going to treat this market differently than the other? I mean, culture matters. Like the, I worked in APAC, right? So in APAC, the, the, the difference in, let's say, uh, uh, your, your age and, and, and uh, what title you have matters a whole lot, like how you, you should be approached. Uh, that, that is true. So it would be ignorant to say that that doesn't exist. It does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how do I deal with it? Well, we deal with it by having uh, understanding of the culture that you're selling into. And that's usually why we go for natives from, or at least people who have a lot of familiarity with uh, those territories um, uh, to sell into it. Uh, but even if you're not native, that's fine. As long as you understand uh, the other side, uh, that's ultimately what, what, what matters. You're not there to change the person <laughs> who you're talking with, right? You're there to help them. Exactly. And in terms of, for example, coaching your sales team, because you mm-hmm. just mentioned that you're working with different, different markets, right? Which, which markets are currently like you're being in charge of? Everything except the uh, United States. Oh, lovely. (laughs) So then even Latin America, Asia, everything. Okay, well, then it's even more complicated um, because you're then working with several, uh, you said that you're kind of aligning people towards their market. So I guess you work with an international team, correct? Yeah, 10 managers, roughly 100 salespeople. Wow, I was not expecting that number. That's a lot. So then how do you keep them, like how do you coach them and how do you make sure that they are also improving um, and, and growing professionally um, in order to, you know, achieve the company's goals in general? Myself or how we do it as a business? Because look, I, I manage the managers, right? Um, so that, yeah, it depends a bit. Like I, I coach and manage my, my, my team. Okay. Uh, and they then uh, help, uh, their, you know, their, their team uh, out. Uh, but the style itself, like at the end of the day, to me, a manager is someone who enables you. 
right? They, we work for our team. They don't like my team. Uh, I work for my team. My work, my team doesn't work for me. And it should be the same way when it comes to a manager and, um, the, and any sales rep, uh, their manager works for them. So it's yes. enablement. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, sh like if, especially if you've done it yourself, then it's showing how, uh, you've done it or how would you go about it? Uh, coaching, obviously, um, sharing experiences, etc. But ultimately, it's all about enablement. I ask about coaching because, um, you know, that's also something that I've seen that it's been um, changing a lot in the past years because there were there were a lot of tools that were implemented, um, you know, for sales reps to just go and learn how to how to prospect and how to you know do serial ser series of steps and then just close a deal, right? Um, and then afterwards, it's been changing a little bit more into, you know, learning within the team. And I think that's uh, something that you just mentioned. It's like you learn from your manager and then you learn from your other coworkers and that's great. Um, but having a coaching as itself, sometimes it can be also helpful. So that's why I was asking um, if this okay. is something that you've implemented before. Well, sure. Yeah. So in general, I'd like to, to have a 360 look at... Uh, uh, feedback, so meaning your prospect first and foremost. So if right. you get ignored or no uh, from, a, say, a, a deal ultimately didn't go through, then you should try to get feedback from that. Then you get feedback from your manager, you get feedback from your peers uh, to try to get a well-rounded look on how you're doing. And then you try to engineer or over-engineer, let's say, every little thing you do to, to, to become better. So yeah, that could be your opening line of your email. It could be the way how you come across on the phone uh, it could reviewing a demo together, right? So you record a, a session, you, you review it, or you let someone else view it, get feedback, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, and then of course, when, you, when it comes about culture, yeah, if you have a Korean in your team, it's very different than say uh, someone from Latin America. I'm just coming uh, with it, this because, sorry. No, no, so yeah, it, it matters to where you're selling into and how you should deal with it. Exactly. And, and as I said, I was just coming to it because I've been um, also facing my, like getting to know some tools um, that are there in the market where you can actually use some, you know, artificial intelligence and conversational intelligence so that you can know a little bit who of your sales reps is kind of saying the right words and doing the right thing. And then the others kind of like use this, um, you know, not to copy, but like to try to be at the same, same level or the same part. But honestly, I don't believe that could help that much because you cannot copy or do something that someone is doing for an SMB in, I don't know, France, and yeah, then yeah. someone's doing completely different, right? Well, but it's mostly because you're not authentic then at that point, right? So you need exactly. to be yourself first and foremost, because else you'll, you, you come across inauthentic and who, who will trust someone who sounds like a, like a commercial? Nobody. Right. So, or if you just, if you, if you using stuff that you've heard someone else say, and then you try to say it in a, in a good way, it won't, it won't come across. It won't work. So that when you, when you reference what you've done for all the customers, if they are not your customers and not your story, so you will probably sound like, uh, like fake, like a fake person. If they, if you've truly come, come up with some, uh, statistics and, uh, customer case studies that you've actually helped bring aboard that you've experienced with, et cetera it will be a totally different show, a totally different demo uh, right. and, a, and a conversation. I, I, I agree on that because at the end for me, uh, being a sales, being a sales rep, uh, working with, with customers, it's always about also bringing my own personal touch and being myself because I don't want to copy others. 
Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of um, comparison sometimes. You know, that person did this right, you didn't. And, and sometimes it's a bit hard to, you know, keep everyone in the same, in the same motivation. Um, so I think that's, that's why everything from the coaching part, motivational part came yeah, in my but question. It's, it's also because most salespeople have our garbage at messaging. Uh, let's be honest. I don't know if you've ever been prospected yourself. So someone prospects right. to you. Yeah. Have you, have, have you ever met? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I did a fun, so I, I always do the same thing. So and when someone prospects me, I, I show other sales reps what, what I'm getting. Right. And like, like 90% or even more of the time, it's complete trash on LinkedIn, on email. I don't get called, as I said, because I don't leave my phone, but pretty sure we've got pretty bad calls too. So everyone uh, so, out there, do not call Nick, please. <laughs> no, I mean, you can't anyway. You can't get my number. So, I mean, good luck. But the thing is, the, the, this comparison, uh, compare, comparing to others is good because nobody's born with, you know, the perfect messaging and is really good at it. So, yeah, you should learn and sh you try things out, etc. cetera, uh, while staying authentic to yourself. Sure. Uh, but people need help. Like if you if you just think, oh, my way is the, is the best way, and, and that's it, you're not open to others, uh, then you're most likely one of the 90%, right? Like really bad messages. Uh, that and exactly. There's and a I reason think that, why the top salesperson is good, right? There's a reason right. for it. And I think now there's like this huge, um, I mean, I looked at LinkedIn a lot, uh, and there's a huge uh, sales team or sales leader that's creating there, and everyone is like giving their their biggest you know, my, my best practice and the way to do it. And this is how you should do it. Um, and at the end, you should not look at, oh my God, that's the best guy, but rather get everything that kind of a making your own recipe, you know, taking some ingredients from each of them. And at the end, just creating your own from SDRs for being as account executive or also being a manager of a team because sure. you can learn from everything. So True. I think that's, yeah, that's yeah. just great. Yeah stay true to yourself and and whenever you say something you gotta mean it and again put yourself in the other shoes would you actually respond to your own message <laughs> like first question i always ask like would you respond to that yourself and That's then usually it, it leaves a, a long silence and then eh, i'm actually not. just gonna like the moment i, I finish this call i'm just gonna check my last email i sent i'm gonna i'm gonna ask myself that question no but pretty much i think i would <laughs> just kidding well, i responded to you right so you uh, you reached out to me i think you had a pretty good uh build up or let's say way of reaching out but again ultimately uh it's also the right way if you would have emailed me you probably would have been in my uh in my my, my uh, trash folder just because on LinkedIn it's easier or it's more likely for me to respond it has nothing to do with your message itself it's just a channel and then once you when I read it okay now what are you saying right, right. one of the things I also get prospected and I guess you do and everyone else out there as well it's like you know whenever it's asking you if you're interested in entering a new role a new position a new company and that's just really lame sometimes. Like they just like a copy paste to everyone. And I'm like, it's not even attractive. Like, there's nothing interesting about it. You know, it's just the same and just, just change the name. It's like, oh, your profile is super interesting. Well, thank you so much. Sure. How many and, profiles have you seen? Right. And meanwhile, most salespeople do that for their prospecting as well. Well. So, you know, again, it's a balance. So you don't want to make a, a, a complete study out of your prospect either. Because again, we're not, or for me at least, not enterprise. So we don't have time for that. So there's a balance. Sure. There's, a, there's a fine line. I think, and, I think uh, that's the yeah. word as well. You know, this, this balance in everything, in how much uh, you're doing, as you said, call calling, messaging, content, a balance in how much you personalize your messages towards how much 
also, you know, some automation email. It's, it's about that. So I think yep. um, that's, that's a pretty good takeoff, takeoff from, from this call as well. Um, Nick, um, my, one of my last questions here, I think it will be towards like, how, how do you see that now evolving um, within your sales team in the next months with, with the current situation and what you've learned so far at Travel Perk? Um, if you have also as well any tip for anyone out there hearing uh, going as well through the same COVID situation. Sure. So for us, I think the it will be the same pace as we've had in the last two quarters. So slowish. Well, still steady and growing, but slowish. Now, revenue-wise, again, total disaster. Like nothing <laughs> great because uh, there's not a whole lot of traveling going on, or at least not compared to what it was. Uh, so we will still grow our footprint. We will set ourselves up for the future. So it's a longer term investment, uh, whilst people still make, uh, their bonuses and still their commissions, etc. but they are setting themselves up for the big, um, uh, the, the, the big moment when, when the vaccine, let's say, uh, gets distributed and the world changes again. So you need to be ready. So getting ready for that and being, being ready. Uh, setting everything up is is going to be vital, and that can go a lot faster than most people realize, uh, because it's also an unprecedented crisis. So the the fix will also be not normal. It will be, it it will come a lot faster than maybe some realize. And so to anyone who deals with with COVID and is in sales and is hard hit by it, uh, again have a little bit longer term view. And yeah, maybe your your quarterly uh, bonus might suck this this Q. But I wouldn't necessarily immediately resign and look for another job, which also is typically hard, right? Because uh, uh, unemployment is high. But uh, I would I would think a little bit like, does my business have a shot at being one of those companies that survive and come uh, comes out of this crisis a lot stronger? And if exactly. the answer is yes, then invest in it. Invest in it and, and spend time working on pipeline because I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people sitting down and, and just a bit sad, you know, like, oh, my bonus, I didn't get anything this quarter and it's looking shit for the Q4, Q4, sorry. But still, you're sitting there crying a little bit and thinking about all the bad things that are happening to you. While instead, I think we should also try out and, and take advantage of people staying at home, maybe being a little bit less hectic as before. And, you know, try to think ahead and, and plan to the future of Q1, Q2, 2021, when everything will be or start to come back to normal, you're going to be Good. prepared. It could, we don't know, but let's hope so. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope. I have, I, I, I try to say always like, you know, I was March and I was like, oh, come on, April's going to be fine. And now, yeah, okay. We, we don't know, but uh, the truth of the matter is you need to get ready. Like there's no other option uh, for, for sales anyway. Like uh, we, companies need to survive. We need to make money. So it all depends on us, right? So it's, uh, it's either that or look for something else. Like if you don't have any faith in, you, in your own business, then look for something else. That, that's okay. Uh, but if you do commit to it uh, and, and keep building and setting yourself up, yes. Well, then thank you so much, Nick. That was, that was great. And I really appreciate your time today. I'm pretty sure everyone else will also enjoy a lot of this conversation. And yeah, what about if anyone else wants to reach out to you? How can they do it? LinkedIn? LinkedIn, yes. <laughs> the only way. Perfect. Or unless then. you make this perfect email. Uh, but no, I think LinkedIn would be the best. Yes. If you get one, you have to, you know, post it in LinkedIn and put me as well, like in a comment because I need I'll, to see I'll that. I'll do one. that. It's rare. Okay. So yeah, don't get your hopes <laughs> right. up. But thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Cheers. Thanks.